0: This is a HeadGum Podcast.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I tackle a theme oh so loosely and talk about our past, present, and future relationship to it. Today's episode centers on the topic of peer pressure. We hope you enjoy No Joke. No <music> Joke.
2: Hello and welcome back to the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafiori. I am Adam Lustick. This is episode
1: five. Cinco, cinco, cinco. We did it. Four in the books. Congratulations, Congratulations Adam.
0: Congratulations to you,
1: Bill. How does it feel? It feels kind of amazing. This is like our, not the silver anniversary, but whatever the five one is. What What is the silver anniversary? Silver's 50. I think, or maybe 25. Okay. Yeah. I think it might be 25, actually. But you know how like marital anniversaries, each one is assigned some sort of weird natural element? Like one is like your wood anniversary and then like your cloth anniversary or whatever. And who is supposed to give that object to who? You no, know, there's a great question. I think that's an interspousal thing. I think husband gets wife a wooden tchotchke and wife gets husband a wooden tchotchke or husband, husband, wife, wife, 2016. Um, But I think that that is how it works, depending on whatever year anniversary it is for a couple. So you wake up, it's
2: been three years, Mm -hmm. and you look at your wife and
1: you say, wood swap. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is exactly how it goes. You wake up at the same time, you look at each other and you go, wood swap. Why is the divorce rate so high? I wonder why it's so high. When you can swap wood at three years, marriage sounds like the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, but I do feel good, Billy. I I feel like uh, we're really hitting our groove, and I feel like uh, really satisfied and happy with the sort of feedback that we're getting from our general listening public. Yeah, and we've gotten some
2: really good feedback. We really have. Yeah, yeah. I hosted the fantasy football podcast yep. for about twenty weeks on HeadGum. Mm-hmm. And in that time, we received maybe 25 interactions on iTunes. Okay. One a week. Great. On iTunes. It's a harder get than the other social media platforms.
1: And by interactions on iTunes, that's just comments and- A review. And again, we talked about this
2: on other episodes. We want those five stars. Come on. We want the five-star. We'll take any
1: stars. We want the participation, but we are after your five-star review.
2: In four weeks of doing the No Joke podcast, we have already tied the HeadGum Fantasy Football League in terms of interactions. Now, is that because we begged for them? On episode three? Maybe. Yes. Probably, yes. But that doesn't mean that we're going to stop begging for them. They're not invalidated. We still have the interactions, and we want more. We've said it before, and we'll say it again.
1: It feels good to be put on lists momentarily. We like to be put on lists... And we really need your interaction to help us make some sort of list of most interactive podcasts of the first third of 2016. So if you've enjoyed the first four episodes,
2: please go on iTunes. You will have to input your Apple ID. It's not a
1: big deal, okay? Look, it's a big deal. It It sucks. It's a huge deal because you have to remember the password. If you don't remember, you have to have it emailed to you already. You're like 14 seconds into the process and you probably don't want to comment anymore.
2: And you're saying, what does this matter? No point. Well, we're here in the studio. Here we are. For 60 minutes. Looking for that sweet, sweet interaction. All right, that's, the pay- that's our payoff. So go to No Joke Podcast on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe. Please we do. also have a Twitter handle now. Yeah, congratulations to us. It is officially 2013. <laughs> at no joke pod follow us you can get all the same information by following adam and i at billy Scafurian at adam Lustick. but we threw another handle into the sea of handles another
1: social media platform for us to platform on okay yep so we got all that really fun and interesting stuff out of the way yeah and we could banter about how interactive we want to make this podcast for another three to four days i would imagine but But we won't we won't we're not going to because the topic of today's episode isn't interactivity Mm -mm. what is it adam Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Something that uh, a notion that really seems to only exist in the popular cultural sort of awareness from ages eleven to seventeen. I do, feel like that is. Do you been, think that's true? I mean, no. I'm, I was. Th- I was trying to. I, I suppose trying to be a little bit silly, but I guess oh, that I know. A swing and a miss by Bill. I Took a silly swing and a silly miss. Wood I, swap. <laughs> um, i just feel like peer pressure is like and of course it's absurd to think that as adults we don't know, i mean peer just means someone in your general age group but i feel right. like peer pressure is like that's what middle schoolers are taught to be wary of i find it interesting that
2: you and i frankly associate peer pressure with adolescence yeah and I think that's because we're at our most hormonal mm-hmm. at that time. So everything is obviously very amplified. Oh, yeah. So being accepted and being kind of just welcomed into a group of anyone. It's the most critical time for that. Is very crucial. Absolutely. And I think that that's why peer pressure feels like almost a, a series of firsts in that regard. Yeah. But I would say that, you know, at every age, you have people that age who are doing things similar and slightly better than you. That's true. And you kind of want that stuff too. That's true. Like having a podcast,
1: for instance. Go on. We have many, 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 many peers right. who have podcasts. We're living in a comedy landscape where a podcast almost seems like a prerequisite to a life in comedy. Interesting. So I would almost say that not that we were peer pressured into having a podcast, but I feel like we read the writing on the wall of our sort of other hilarious comedy friends, and we're like, why don't we do one? Right. That was. Uh, I mean, not that that's peer pressure. The but truth it's is, sort of... though, you're right.
2: It was actually peer pressure, though, because Jake and Amir, the HeadGum founders, were smoking cigarettes behind the studio one day. Cool we were walking down the sidewalk, and they said, hey, you two. Hey, come here. You look in a pod? You want a pod? You want to puff one of these pods? And what do we do? We're like,
1: yeah, dude. But Will it hurt? And they're like, no, dude, all the cool kids are doing it. You get subscribers. You get subscribers. You'll You'll beg for interactions. And sometimes it will come to fruition, but sometimes not. So what did we say? We were like, uh, cool, Jake and Amir. Yeah, yeah. Let us into your podcast club.
2: And we said, will you really let us? And they said, no joke. And we said... Exactly. exactly 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 that's a great idea mm-hmm. and we took it and here we
1: are And here we are so it was sort of i mean it was sort of it was peer pressure-ish but peer in pressure-ish but to be real
2: um did you is there anything that comes to mind from you as an adolescence mm-hmm. you went to a small school
1: yeah i grew up in a relatively small town and i i had a group of incredibly loving warm and supportive friends there weren't my, my town was was too small to really be delineated into cliques Really too much, probably much less so than yours. Um, so it wasn't like there was, and all of my friends were so sweet and still are, just really, really sweet and super menschy.
2: Did you all have the same hobbies and interests, would you say? If someone did something, did everyone do that something?
1: That's a great question. Uh, in my immediate friend group, I mean, again, we were so intertwined with each other's lives and we lived uh, within eight, uh, you know, eight feet of each other. So we were all so, so close uh, that, yeah, I think that, you know, once Matt and Brendan got into Mystery Science Theater 3000, so did Sean, and then so did I. So it was like, there was a, there was definitely some kind of trickle-down friend influence, of course, but not in any way that was like, hey, hey, you like Mystery Science Theater 2000? Right. On, take a puff of this. Yeah, you know what I mean? It was got not it. totally like that. I didn't really have any friends that were like that.
2: Okay. Was there ever something that, uh, your friend was doing that you didn't necessarily want to do, but you like having friends? So you just do it, even if it's not smoking cigarettes or something kind of naughty. Yes. Um, something just, movie of the weeky. Right. Like, for example, mm-hmm.
1: you did acapella. You were in an acapella group. With a bunch of my peers. Right. Yes. I was in an acapella group that my aforementioned peer, Matt Hubert. What's up, Matty? He started and named the Testoster Tones. Okay. So this actually deserves a deep dive. Yeah, we can maybe deep dive into this. Okay. Just maybe a, maybe a, a mid-dive. Okay. Yeah.
2: You were in an acapella group beginning at what age?
1: Uh, This was high school, so let's call it 15, 16 years old.
2: 15, 16 years old. Your friend Matt starts this group because he has an urge to... Sing.
1: Yeah, he's like incredibly musically gifted. Matt is like was blessed with like perfect pitch. And he had this wonderful baritone voice and was just musically ambitious and kind of wanted to do this. Got I it. mean, it wasn't just Matt. It was like sort of in conjunction with our school, like with our high school chorus already that was already pre-existing. But then we sort of splintered off and, you know, the real cool kids yes. splintered off and started an acapella group yes. called the testosterones. Right. Yeah.
2: They said, sorry, coach, we have to quit football. Exactly. We're in an a cappella group. Now. Exactly.
1: In your school, how was the a cappella group seen? But see, this is this is what's anomalous about maybe my school perhaps because it was so small. I get that a cappella is super mega mega dorky. Despite everything that Pitch Perfect is trying to do to sort of bring it into the cool, actually cool mainstream. It is for deep deep dorks such as myself. Okay. However, in my tiny tiny uh Small liberal arti- artistically inclined town. We were celebrated, and we got to sing at the local nursing home and at the local grocery store. And you know, it was we were what sort would of what did you lauded. do at the
2: grocery store? Why? Who needs people singing at them at a grocery store? Pretty
1: sure it was in conjunction with uh, like a grand opening or maybe a grand reopening event where they needed some local entertainment. And we all and the 14 people in our town all know each other. And they knew that there was one hot shit acapella group in town that could come and lay a track down.
2: What songs could we expect to hear at a supermarket grand opening from the Testoster
1: One Million Percent Chance of For the Longest Time by William Joel. You
2: have a very interesting relationship with that song. Oh, yeah. Not to go back to your days of being a singing telegram, but wasn't every single song, and you can laugh, every single (laughs) song parody that you were forced to sing to the tune of at guests was to the tune of. For the longest
1: time, I think it's because there's something so it's like musically simple and so pleasing. And I mean, from the from the singing telegram point of view, it is like the musical. Stri- and you can probably speak to this because you're a little bit more musically informed than I am. I think. No. In terms of like musical music theory, yeah, Talk. it's a tie. Okay, it's a tie. We're both at zero. Um, and I think that from a a cappella point of view, it has a very like pleasing structure sure. and like simple harmonies that are so pleasing and easily pick upable. yes uh, i think that was Whoa, for the
2: longest for the longest, longest time i
1: see See, I had the headphones on, I was probably very tone deaf. In yeah, that. but no, you weren't even. Okay. You weren't even. Okay. Uh, because it's it, I think like for the long there's something intuitive about for the longest time. Right. It's just like even a novice singer can just sort of get it right. So I think that's why it's sort of popular in the a cappella circles. Okay. Um, also uh, you're going to have in terms of what our a cappella repertoire was. Right. Uh, you're going to have um, uh, I see your true colors shining through. I see your true True colors. And that's that's why why I love you. you. So that was another big staple for the test. Don't be afraid to to let let it show. I got your true true colors
2: shine and through, through still
1: probably yeah and through again so that was another one of our big staples
2: i'm currently i wouldn't call it peer pressure but i'm being peer convinced <laughs> to join an a cappella group peer <laughs> <Fear> convinced <laughs> in just that simple song that's all it took was that Cindy Lopper
1: God, who was that? I'm ashamed to say that I do not know who sang that original tune. I'm pure convinced that cappella groups yeah. are substantially cooler than I gave them credit for. You see? We had a pretty funny moment, actually, just to share a little personal anecdote. Um, We had a pretty f- funny moment among friends a few years ago where I think just because I was in this acapella world with my friend Matt and Brendan and whatever, and uh, my friend Josh was also on the group, and he was like kind of really into the acapella scene, went on to SUNY Binghamton to perform with like one of the elite acapella groups in the country. Those things exist. So I was sort of almost by proxy. I got into listening to the Brown Derbies and oh. Yale's acapella group and Cornell and all the Hot Ivy League guys. Oh my God. Don't you dare say how all the Hot Ivy League guys. All the Hot Ivy League groups. I was like, I had, I was on, because I was on Napa. I was finding their tracks. I was getting it done. You weren't so, downloading Lit and Blink-182 on Kazaa. You were downloading Yale's acapella group. You got it. Parti- particularly the Brown Derbies uh, and the Bing Crosbys, the SUNY Binghamton Crosbys. Come on. Okay. So I was sort of like definitely wrapped up in that world. And to a certain degree, once our friend Josh went off to college and like started performing with this like actually awesome college acapella group, sure. when he came back and they would come back to perform at our high school and like they were treated kind of like celebs. Oh, man. Oh, like man, oh man! <laughs> what a safe environment Super you grew up in. PG to the ma- our town is a Pixar movie. There was nothing to offend anybody. I'm Everything am from is safe Long here.
2: Island. Yeah, a bit of a different vibe. At 14, our friends' parents would leave the house, and our friends would demand that we stole their cars and drove <laughs> them around. Demand? And if you didn't, you were looked
1: down upon. That is TV movie of the week peer pressure. That is like what. That is capital P P peer pressure. So you stole your friends' parents' cars? I
2: and up until about twenty five was ashamed to say that when everyone else did it, I sat on the curb. I couldn't. That was the one thing that I couldn't be peer pressured Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. I would throw house parties in other people's houses. Yep. I would toilet paper and throw eggs at the enemies' houses. That's
1: just fun. I mean, enemies. Just the 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 notion of enemies. Just the notion of enemies is also sort of a a byproduct of peer pressure. Yes. It's like
2: in Long Island, everything is dialed up to nine. (laughs) <laughs> Nine, not even ten. On the on the cusp of riot, <laughs> yeah. and
1: so peer pressure was always an, a real yeah. You had to navigate wisely. Yeah, and you have some you have some really alpha kind of. I mean, just because I know some of your hometown friends, you have some really alpha friends. Totally. that I, even just me. Hanging out with your friends, sort of tangentially through you, and who are some many of whom, of course, are my friends now. I feel like I would be definitely susceptible to peer pressure around guys like you know who, yeah. like Steve and Mike and all your friends and just I mean, these guys that are,
2: yeah. And so I think that that's kind of a very relatable thing to a lot of people. Where, and that's again at that age, that sixteen to eighteen year old age, yeah. where you have to kind of navigate what is cool around me and what is cool about me, yeah. I remember a very cheesy sign in elementary school, Uh, kind of the cousin of the cat hanging on a string that said, hang Hang in in there. there. Mm -hmm. This sign said, what's cool isn't always popular. And what's popular isn't always cool. Mm -hmm. And I I think that is actually a great way to describe us. (laughs) Yeah, What's cool isn't always that popular, frankly. Right. And we're not that popular, but we are kind of cool.
1: I think you're cool. I think you think I'm cool. I think so. I'm popular in this room and group of two. Between us in this small subset of a social group that comprises of
2: you and I, we're super popular. So we sound like big-time nerds. So I say we segue into our first song. Okay, great. It's off the Sleepover album volume one great it's actually the first song i believe it's called the sleepover oh yeah and in this we rap about having a sleepover party. that's right that's right just the two of us just like a dork would so from two dorks in the studio yep. we'll send it to two dorks rapping for you dorks for the <laughs>
3: Pajamas, they're G.I. Joe. Rips in the knees, holes in the toe. Clothes for the bros who be coming to our shows. Oh, you didn't know? It's a sleepover party. Yup, we are dorks in forts. Yup, we're wearing boxer shorts. And I don't want to grow up, cause maybe if I did, I wouldn't be doing this, kid. I wouldn't be putting toilet paper up in your tree. I wouldn't be Billy. I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be a rapper who is H.S.T. Who's also kind of magic, no H.I.V. Turning phrases like pages, Feel like cages, crowd behave like it's raves, it's dangerous. Snake takes places, on a ride just like races, it's contagious. Faces display braces, say this, play this, make this famous. Make this frameless, tasteless, ageless. takes is shameless, racist, framer. Make this, face this, no, it's a no brainer. It takes shape like your teeth in a retainer. That's so raven. I'm so raving, I'm so raving, it's all that I'm saying. Wow.
1: there is very little space you can slumber. Be smart, grab a little piece of carpet to flunder. I got three movies. you seen Zoolander, or Dumb and Dumber, or the shittier Dumb and Dumber. Call told Joe, you can sleep in his summer. He keeps water guns in his trunk in the summer. A couple real guns, cause his dad's like a hunter. His dad is a hunter.
0: Dad, dad, dad is a hunter.
1: I call the Ninja Turtle Bed Tent to sleep under. Miss April O'Neil, she's my Channel 5 stunner. You sleep outside, but I'm too scared of thunder. Glow in the dark stars are safer and funner. Call Mikey P, the He's got another sleeping bag Then call his brother and ask him just how much food he has Don't invite him over though, he's kind of creepy sad And he smells like my dad, smells, smells like my dad Three in the morning and there's good the sleep happening Feel a little frisky breaking in my papa's cabinet Shot at Jim Bean, sweet dreams not happening Have a nightmare about share with a rabbit head Talking about slumber parties it just occurred to me Had my first sleep over at Dan Bernstein's Oh what, you never heard of the Bernstein's? Danny, I believe, is some fancy attorney currently wow. Wow. And then the third Welcome back. So that was a song that Billy and I made on our first Sleepover album, and that song is called The Sleepover. That's right. And uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Billy and I, as Snakes, our hip-hop group, would do these sort of experiments where we would go to our producer's house with no beats made and no lyrics written, and we would compose entire albums in 24 consecutive hours. Correct. So it, that's why we kind of called it The Sleepover EP. Right. If you want to check out our music, which we're so proud of, um, please, uh, you can find it at Music. Dot .bandcamp.com. That's right. We've been
2: saying <laughs> slash bandcamp been A little hazy on that,
1: but it's for sure snakesmusic.bandcamp.com.
2: When going into a podcast, you need to know exactly what you also want to promote. <laughs> exactly. The conversation should be casual and loose, but when you have something you want to hit, hit it. I really drop my voice down four registers for
1: snakesmusic.bandcamp Right in the gut. It's right in the gut. It lands you there. Right in the gut. Uh, Another funny little sort of um, uh, connectivity thing is that the song, the backing track that our wonderful producer Rich Royce used for that song was from the 50s doo song Teenager in Love, which coincidentally is another track that the testosterone tones would sing on the regular. That seems like that an a cappella must. Must, right? Almost start there. Come on. I had a CD. I think my first initial love with that a cappella genre of music was I had a CD when I was a child called Street Corner Serenades, and it was like all of those doo-wop songs. Street Corner Serenades. <laughs> Street you were born a 70s three-year-old jewish boy oh, God. exactly <laughs> i was born in 73 and i've been benjamin buttoning sort of ever since then but uh, i love that doo stuff i think that's what sort of initially pushed me into the acapella world i think at its core everyone does yeah i think it's just how comfortable
2: you are admitting to it right because it's almost like built like mathematically built to be enjoyed it is the sound just falls so just so cleanly just like on the ear. It's
1: sonically pleasing to hear good harmonies and no percussion and no instruments or something very pure about it can i put you on the spot always and ask you to
2: sing a little of teenager in love so that people can hear what they just heard
1: mm, love you like i do boom,
3: Nice. Don't know I love you. God. Don't know I care. Boom, boom,
1: boom. I just want your love to bear. Boom, boom, boom. Ooh, I do my love you like I do. Oh my boom, 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 boom. Oh, just a little taste. That was lovely. Thank you. Adam. I think that was Teenager in Love. I hope I'm not misquoting myself, but I think that was.
2: yeah I don't think I'm uh, saying anything wrong by saying that song you just sang. Is so much better than the song we made out of it. <laughs>
1: oh, Bill. You're too good. <laughs> Thanks, man. But here's the question I have for you: is because I happen to know that your father is very musically inclined and is, in fact, a wonderful vocalist. So yes. you can't tell me that you didn't have some, vo- some a cappella music or some vocal stylings being played around your house as a kid.
2: I can't I imagine. Ju- you doing. I would wake up, my father is a professional singer. Amazing. And I would wake up most mornings to this da <laughs> i was like damn frankie's <laughs> up early busting those pipes just
1: getting those pipes warmed up but he sounds very nice he is he's an incredible incredible tenor yes um and i'm sure that he and i he and i'm actually just coming to me now we might split her off and just start an acapella podcast right. if you don't mind that's yeah. <laughs> subscribe. yeah subscribe you may have one subscriber It's me. Exactly. (laughs)
2: Yeah. 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 I think that uh, talking about parents very briefly, we talked a few episodes ago about the randomness of the emails we get. Yeah. We get some nice random emails. Um, We've gotten four. Yep. Three of them have been from my mama. Yeah. Susan Joe Rothschild. Um, She's checked in again. Yeah. And in the effort to create segments for the show. Which isn't always a good thing. You need to brand this stuff. Snakesmusic.bandcam.com. Exactly. Buy the albums there. Please. We want to maybe start a checking in with Susie Joe segment. If that's okay with you, Mom. Oh, it totally, absolutely is? Great. Okay. Cool. So, last we checked in, she was
1: uh, disagreeing with our. St- stance on the fish fillet yeah she sort of rushed to the defense of a fish fillet um uh from mcdonald's she also sidebar is a huge fan of the mcdonald's uh coffee so my mom has some weird mcdonald's issues that Got i it. think that she could probably stand to work out a little bit um but uh, we sort of came on with a very anti-fish fillet stance yes. obviously filet a fish stance um and she sent us sort of a scathing email yes uh in which she uh really defended the functionality of the fish fillet beyond just as a delicious treat um i don't know if you want to read the The subject is clarifying. Yeah, this is from my mom. It reads as such. Yeah.
2: Just a a disclaimer, I don't feel that I deserve the moniker fish filet mom since I haven't actually eaten one of those pupsters since Adam was in Little League. Yikes. You see, we had to come up with all sorts of creative ways to keep warm during those early spring practices. The F of F. Filet of fish. The F of F. No one has ever abbreviated it like that ever. We're always piping hot. And made effective hand warmers. <laughs> but I did love the combination of the light crunch and the bun. <laughs> Nuff said. Thanks for episode three, you adorable little noodles. Noodles. So that's... Right. Lip emoji. Lip emoji. Yeah, yeah She's very affectionate. Susan Joe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, love you, mom. You're the best. We really appreciate the participation. Second. Um, absolutely. And to me, the most sort of telling and intriguing thing about that, which really almost made me double back and come around to respect her opinion on fish fillets, is that she, like I said it was using them for a secondary function outside of nutrition and right. deliciousness. She was using them as literal hand warmers while I was practicing Little League Baseball outdoors in April. And part of me can give her credit for that. Yeah,
0: major credit. Because
2: if the heat retains for 90 minutes, that is actually a really good investment. It's not bad. But here's my question. Yeah. She says the F of F are always piping hot and made effective hand warmers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. Yep. But I did love the combination of the light crunch and the bun. Now, is that... Does she love holding the fish fillet, or is she saying that I would use them as hand warmers, but I would also
1: sneak a fish in my mouth from time to time? I interpret it as the latter, as that she loves the hand, the functionality of them keeping her hands warm. And also, as an added benefit, sort of a bonus track, is they also are fluffy and delicious to her. Okay. which And that repulses me to no end, obviously. And that is something that we disagree with full force, um, and, and and we can continue that disagreement for the length of this podcast. But the At- fact that she's using food as hand warmers— to that, I say kudos, Mom. All right. So
2: we will continue to check in. It feels like it may just be this storyline until the end of time. And frankly, just the little details every other week is the perfect amount for me. That's all. And for me. So thank you, Susan Joe. If you guys have questions for Susan Joe, email nojokepod at gmail.com. Please do. She is more than happy to start a correspondence with you. I promise. The topic of today's episode peer pressure. Yep. We are now adults. Yeah. And um, we've been peers for a long time. hmm. Have you experienced anything recently uh whether it was fun or scary or mm-hmm. just anything that you didn't want to do mm-hmm. but you're comfortable admitting that you did mm-hmm. on this podcast?
1: Mm-hmm. let me think well uh this is part of this is sort of a small piece of a larger tale, um, but as you well know, a very good mutual friend of ours, Clayton early and myself, we drove cross country we had this five week adventure that you know all about that was like this reality show thing, and that I was forced don't to- don't sell that short okay. Set the scene. Okay. Because this is uh, a substantial. Time in your life? Yeah, it it was it was a bit of an adventure slash misadventure. It was a a five week trip created by the creators of the Amazing Race, and it was a big Ford Focus commercial, basically. And Clayton and I were one of five teams of two that had to drive these Ford Focuses all across the country, stopping along the way for various adventures, a la Amazing Race, and interacting with all of our followers because it's the twenty first century. Adam and Clayton,
2: uh, this is about seven years ago or so, or maybe twenty four years old. Yeah. This, they agree to take part in this cross country journey, like Adam said, in which every minute of their lives is documented every truman show style truman show style
1: so there was a lot uh surrounding you going into it yeah yeah there were all sorts of gadgets and gizmos on the cars and we had to interact and we had ipads and cameras and 24 7 surveillance and all that okay so you said that there was a shorter tale that tells a lot yeah i mean just to speak to have i been have i been peer pressured into doing something that i didn't want to do on this trip almost all the time right Uh, so like towards imus uh and as you well know i'm sort of a a a freighty cat in general sure Uh, and i'm afraid of a lot of things heights fast things loud things uh animals and you knew when
2: you signed up to take place to take part in this kind of big ford project
1: that you were going to be put in scenarios that may be terrifying i think maybe i a hadn't thought it through Mm. b definitely had not thought it through oh And uh, see, it was too abstract to me. I was like, yeah, we'll get to drive across country. I don't care. Another adventure. I'm 24 years old. Okay, bring it on. Okay. Uh, What was brought on to me uh, were a few things that made me wildly uncomfortable, but that I was, and again, peer pressure might be the wrong term in this case, but that I was certainly pressured into doing, um, such as uh, walking a plank that was one foot. Wide oh, no. That was 500 feet over a huge oh. marble canyon in Arizona. That was this huge, vast canyon, like deeper than the Grand Canyon. Oh. Uh, and I – and you know this about me, Billy. I am pet- petrified, paraly- paralyzingly petrified of heights. Yes. And um, we – so Clayton and I had to basically each walk along the super thin – uh, plank uh, all out over this like, huge chasm, this huge ravine that seemed like instant death. Basically walk off a diving board or a plank. Precisely. For what? How long? How long is this plank? How long was it? It was. Uh, it felt like forever, like right. forever
2: long. Well, you're
1: over hundreds and hundreds of feet of a massive drop off. Exactly. Um, and Clayton can attest to this, and maybe we actually have him on the podcast one day to talk about it. But he, this was when I... When I do get scared, when I do feel like I'm being peer pressured into doing something, right. my instinct, very weirdly, because I am I'm so, I so seldomly put myself in these compromising positions, but mm. I tend to get really mad, kind of angry and confrontational and a little aggressive, which yep. is out of character for me. So because that, I think probably,
2: I would relate to if you were, that was because you were mad at yourself. Yeah, I think so. You're mad at the situation that it exists, but you're mad at yourself for putting yourself in that situation. Dead on.
1: And that is the perfect storm of just... Explosion. Exactly. It was like I was mad at myself for peer pressuring myself to do this thing. Yeah. It was like I was mad that I succumbed to my own internal peer pressure. That
2: makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: So that, but and that was years ago. Right. Years ago. I
2: think that the Ford Focus rally will probably continue to poke its head. <laughs> I hope that returns on the podcast. It was mm-hmm. certainly a very silly thing. Much like our catering, mm-hmm. and much like your singing telegram, and much like my mother. These are all tent poles in our
1: lives yeah. that we can't seem to escape. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> what about yourself, Bill? do you feel like you have been peer pressured into into you know not peer pressure Mm -hmm. but i will say that an
2: interesting thing about kind of the transition into really accepting adulthood Mm -hmm. is navigating peer envy Mm. i think that peer envy is something
1: that can motivate you and drive you but it could also drive you insane oh that's interesting and do you mean uh, feelings of envy that you have for peers or vice versa i think that at least in our field Mm -hmm. it's a very delicate line yeah
2: of how you share your excitement for good news that has happened to you because you know that every friend of yours wants that same thing and is working just as hard and frankly is equally talented That's a good point. to a certain extent yeah absolutely and so i think that pure envy when certain friends maybe take off a little faster uh get like the the news that you were hoping to get mm-hmm self-navigating your emotions through that mm-hmm. is a uh, a very it's not peer pressure but it is another kind of emotional state that comes from being surrounded by your peers
1: absolutely it is like so that is there is a weird i think you're really hitting on something essential there which is like as you age into adulthood because one of the best parts about adulthood and i feel like now that we're like it's settling into our 30s the best part is that you don't you feel less and less – I feel like if you're a successful functioning adult, you feel increasingly less susceptible to peer pressure. Right. You, you're you – and we, you and I have talked about this a lot. It's like one of the joys of growing up and maturing into adulthood is uh, eliminating every everything that you don't like and right. not having to do any one thing that you don't want to do and feeling like you can be uncompromising in your interests and in your hobbies and in your habits and that you don't need to do anything and that you're, you're – totally impervious to peer pressure.
2: That is born out of almost like an active desire to find your self-awareness, yeah. to know exactly who you are, to know exactly what makes you happy and just drive out everything else. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a tenant of Burning Man, a place mm-hmm. that we have gone to. Yep. I feel that that was a lesson that I learned there and kind of left with forever. Yeah. Just get rid of all of the excess. If yeah. it's not doing it for you, it's not necessary. But that is something that I take for granted now yep. where I think a lot of people probably can't just say well i like all these things but i also want to have friends and they might like different things than me it's uh it's tough
1: yeah yeah i mean yes exactly maybe it's because we have a, a very nurturing friend group and a lot of supportive friends and family around us that support our weird dreams and interests right and that we don't feel as um we don't feel the pull to sort of like try and experiment with activities or fun things that that maybe we're not so comfortable doing but in, a, in a, the sort of opposite side of the coin is that, in a way, I wish I was peer pressure a little bit more and to do interesting to just a little bit. I mean, like, I'm all, I'm almost lamenting the fact that I was it a small example, small, dumb example. Jake and Amir love rock climbing. And you and sort of like you've been doing that more recently with them. And it's like that was kind of a relatively new activity for you. I'd subscribe that. Yeah. Whatever. And like, and it's just like not that I and again, I'm afraid of heights and afraid of many things. So like not rock climbing specifically, but I I do want for peers who are also interesting and compelling and have deliberately different interests than I do to rope me into theirs. I would love to be roped in. You know, it's so funny.
2: As adults, as we become adults, it becomes harder and harder to make friends naturally, normally, where you don't feel like a perv asking another (laughs) 30-year-old to come over and play at your house. (laughs) And now we invite, now we interpret new things new interests from other friends as peer pressure, peer pressure is just being friendly <laughs> and an event we can do together <laughs> an activity common interests, is is this peer pressure, peer pressure? yeah
1: oh adulthood mm. is a funny Ooh, funny that's game so funny yeah that's amazing i have never been skiing i know that you aren't don't really go skiing you just kind of went skiing for the first time you had a lot of friends who were like good at it yeah you know what i mean and were sort of and you know courage to do it I actively fought
2: against peer pressure, and the peer pressure wasn't negative peer pressure. The peer pressure was to not give up. You'll get the hang of it. You'll have fun. And I looked them square in the eyes, and I said, wrong, no, and nuh-uh. Currently giving up. Leaving. (laughs) Leaving. Right, exactly. I don't want to walk on my heels in these big, dumb boots. Nope. I don't want to not fall down a mountain. I want to not be here. And like, that's
1: great. Like, what what a wonderful sort of like luxurious world that we live in that whether you gave into, whether you caved to peer pressure or resisted it, it's like, you're having an awesome time. Because yes. if you cave to it, you're skiing down a mountain. Cool. And if you resist it, then you're chilling in the lodge, drinking hot chocolate. You're doing watching. what you want. You rule. So yes. you already win that one. Um,
2: let's segue into our second song. Yes, yes. Um, we talked about this uh, during the break. What we'd like to start doing with this second slot right. is kind of encouraging new music, new friends, new people we
1: don't know yeah. to submit music to us, and we'll feature it here. Yeah, a couple different reasons. One is that we know so many talented people who do so many interesting musical things. Yes. And two, because the Snakes library is finite. The well is drying up, <laughs> You know guys. what I'm saying? It's like we <laughs> we have X amount of songs, and until we do an X plus 12 or 13... We're dealing with X. Imagine we're holding a sign right now that says, we didn't think this through. <laughs> That's the sign I'm always
2: holding. I guess we just thought that the podcast would be bought out at some, or like by episode five, and we'd just start to get right back into the studio recording all new albums. Exactly. Hasn't happened yet.
1: Hasn't happened yet. Not saying it won't. Not saying that Snakes won't make a reunion album. Right. Because we totally should and could and probably will. And will. But- for now, please enjoy the musical stylings of one of our good old friends, Childish Gambino, right. aka Donald Glover, yes, who you probably know from TV and music and movies and everything. Yeah. And this is a track that you rapped on with him, Bill. The song is called Fat
2: People. Mm-hmm. It's Childish Gambino. It's Billy Scafuri. Yep. We recorded it in Queens. Yep. Enjoy. Crank it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One two, three, check it out. <laughs> on the road to sandwiches and chicken wings. Fat people <laughs> do fat things. things. Using salt and pepper for their seasonings. Fat people <laughs> do fat things. Check it out. It's B to the I to the double L Y. My friends all know I'm not an ordinary guy. I like little things like chicken wings, barbecue sauce, honey mustard, onion rings. When my cell phone rings, it goes jingle jingle I say hello. I say hello. I'll say who this be. They say it's fancy net. I got a fancy head. I'll eat a fancy ass sandwich
0: on some fancy ass bread. The way it's over. Shut up, bed over. I hang with monsters. I chill with group the boy Ebola, a boy fat too And my girl so fat that they call her Oprah I got that green like a bowl of okra Loose chain so fat, can't fit my sofa I head to the bank, call the shit my grocer It's sex in the city, get the fat mimosa B Be and B, we fat boys Hang with fat girls, driving fat toys Fuck Dan Aykroyd, I live on a Saturday night I got two fat girls, so I'm doing it right Like my Dave John Goodman I got the fat crib, so I'm doing real good, man and I'm up to no good man This is how I get back. Call the shit cook, yeah. cooking. Fat people do fat things Fat people do fat things Fat people do fat things Fat people do fat
2: things I tip waitresses I tip scales my style is kind of fat Like an orca whale I'm sipping whole milk As I stare Thinking I could be your Oprah You could be my gal, Cause I am a fat boy Never been to valley's Married to this fat life Call me Christy Alley Married to the snack life Counting every calorie Might just open up A fat boy art gallery What else you do, what do, what else you do? I'll make it easy What else you do what else you do? I'm fat but my numbers run Listen son I'ma show him how it's mind. done When my swagger weighs a ton Sticking straws inside a girl So you can call me the Capri Sun I, I make
0: the girls drip So I guess I eat gushes Screaming out yeah Like I'm eating out a In your dad's bed room where I fuck you. Ooh. Knocking on the door so you screaming at nothing. But they all know it's something. You didn't think I'd tear the pussy up, did you, Pump, You look better and better like Benjamin Button.
2: I'll hang out with Chester Cheeto. Cooler than My the ranch, ranch, ranch on your Dorito. Dorito. Hotter than the peppers in your burrito. Getting cheddar and cream, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Home Homegirl mistaken. you think Gambino won't bring home bacon. Or bring home Swiss cheese. My dog got holes. Cause all these hoes want shoes or nice clothes. They want the Macy's, the Neema Marcus, the Fendi purses, the Gucci parkas. I go you want it, don't get me started, The see Gambino when they act, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Fat people do bad things, fat people do bad things, fat people do bad things, fat people motherfucker. Bad, bad things, eat snacks, eat snacks,
2: eat snacks, eat snacks, eat snacks coming out of packs, guaranteed. the It's Jack's
1: Was billy Scafuri on childish gambino's track fat people fat people do fat things uh i love that song bill we are the type of guys who you and i who having a childish gambino
2: song on our show should be something to promote yeah he's one of the most famous rappers
1: in the world we all know him because he's known yeah yeah we're just gonna bury that yeah yeah, yeah. we're just gonna leave that there We're just going to leave that. That's one of the benefits. Like I I do feel like more than having skills as performers, we have taste. And we uh, we are good curators of talented friends. That's true. (laughs) Of really talented friends. And that is how a sociopath gets ahead in Los Angeles. Okay, so we're a couple of sociopaths getting ahead. (laughs) Right. When we first did our first snake shows in New York, and maybe we talked about this in the first episode, but we called upon one of the most talented friends that we have, um, Shockwave, who is the beatboxer for Freestyle Love Supreme. He also has a podcast on uh, HeadGum called Shock and Awesome. Okay, Shockwave is the best. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like we have made a habit and a career off of calling on our more talented friends. Yep, and that's something I'm super that I'm really really proud of. Right, I love to be the one doing the peer pressuring to smarter and more talented people, saying, "Come, come, make us look good and make us look better." You know, speaking of snakes and those shows
2: back in the day with Shockwave, yes. You were peer pressured. Oh, so we we received another email again from Voorheesville, New York. All of of our emails come from Adam's hometown. (laughs) Um, This guy was at one of the first freestyle rap shows that I was a part of. That's right. And it was downtown New York. Yes. And it was all these different people and one audience volunteer. Yes. I had all of my friends from Long
1: Island. You had like a stacked crowd. You had like all your homeboys from Rockville Center came to the bar.
2: Smallest guy six
1: four. They yep. all scream. It was my it was my game to win. It was like a New York Jets
2: game. We brought a New York Jets game to a comedy rapture. But if there's one guy who those guys love as much as they love Billy, it's Adam. Yeah, I... Adam came to the show to see me. Of course. What he didn't know is that the goons from Long Island stuffed the ballot. Adam now was
1: brought up on stage. Exactly. They had to pick an audience name out of a hat and all your Long Island friends put my name in there dozens and 20s and 30s of times. And you didn't want to necessarily. I was nervous as shit.
2: But you met the Long Island crew and they peer pressured you. (sighs) Welcome
1: to my adolescence. Seriously, Billy. It's like you're saying that facetiously, but that is quite literally what happened. Your Long Island high school friends adult peer pressured me for real. And I for real succumbed to it. And it for real spurned a uh, euphoric rap life that I am so grateful for that peer pressure. And
2: talk about burying the most interesting part of the story. Yeah, We're just going to fast forward to the end where that night ended with Jimmy Fallon. Stealing your wallet God. and leaving the bar.
1: How weird is that?
2: Not accidentally taking it. Drunkenly, he bought us lots of rounds. Yeah. He was very much in our camp. It was like his bar. That's right. He, yeah, like he owned
1: it or something. It was like his. And we had a lot of drinks that night. Yep. And he stole your wallet. That's right. But we won't talk about we're that. We're not even going to talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Because we're not name droppers, Jimmy Fallon, Childers' Campaign, or whatever. Right. But uh, <laughs> that was uh, totally, that was a crystal clear example of a time that I was, as an adult, peer pressured by adults. Um, 150% my size right Yeah, <laughs> that's the Long Island way that's the Long Island way man yeah. but like for instance like, and again I don't want to be too, too scandalous or anything but I mean even the sort of stereotypical movie of the week peer pressure stuff drink I mean I can't believe that your friends were like stealing their parents car. That, it's just something that I am way too in touch with my shame and sense of fear of punishment to attempt anything like that, anything yeah. like that. Uh, and it kind of sounds like you are too a little bit yes you just sat on the curb they were stealing cars you were sitting on the curb
2: i would do the other things that was the one line i couldn't cross Mm -hmm. because there's i grew up knowing i was going to be a liar (laughs) i grew up knowing that no matter where i was i had my way out and i know a lot of people think like what if you're at the bottom of a well you can't climb out i could get out you could could lie i could could, lie my way out if anyone can you can billy and so when i i couldn't figure out the right lie to tell the cops when they inevitably pulled
1: over mm-hmm. nine fourteen year olds mm-hmm. wearing one trench coat trying to drive a car <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so you were like if i 'm not going to get myself in any situation i can 't lie my way out of,
2: yes, because you can 't run out of that car yeah because you 're leaving your
1: boys there, yep, some parents' car there, yeah, and where are you going?" Why do you think it is, Billy, that you are such a good liar? What do you think it is about you that you can, with such a straight face, and I just want to preface this by saying that, you know, again, we'll probably get into some of these tales and anecdotes over the course of the podcast, but Billy has kept up the most innocuous, most ineffectual, meaningless fibs For. Multiple presidential terms. Yes. For years and years and years. He will convince our friend that another total mutual acquaintance had a job that he or she never did, and that little lie. For that, pointless. 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 So where where did this? I would just am curious as to where that habit kind of what was the genesis of that? I think it
2: comes from having an active detachment from my emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sociopaths here in L. A. Getting ahead. Just don't. <laughs> I don't feel <laughs> like I think how other people feel. <laughs> Uh, I just don't feel the other way people feel yeah. I rationalize I just look and rationalize it but my body and heart rarely feel you're like this is a your brain is like this is a manipulatable situation I'll yes. yeah manipulated yes because we've said this before but a joke is for a crowd but a lie is for you. I absolutely adore that life slogan. You can get that
1: at <laughs> Billy and Adam Throw <laughs>
2: <bandcamp.com. Yeah. laughs> But yeah. jokes are for the audience. Lies are for you. Yeah. And if you tell enough jokes, you're like, "All right, glad I'm good. I'm good that you're having a good time." Now I need to have my own little secret. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Do you feel like amongst your uh, sort of some alpha, some whatever friends in Long Island, do you do, can you ever think of an instance where you were the peer pressure at, like instigator, where you were initiating friends to? Do something that you wanted to do that they maybe did Yes, but in supremely dorky ways. Okay,
2: spill it. So they would, you know, want to, you know, get the keg right. uh even though no one had fake ID. Yes. Just like walk in there like we own the place and get the keg. Yes. And which would, would work. Which would work. But you know, again, these guys are six foot four and they're in ninth grade. If they look thirty five. Yeah. yeah. And that guy just wants to sell that beer. <laughs> Um, what were we talking about? Um, I said, is there any instance that you initiated the peer pressure? Yes. Yeah. So then, around 18 or 19, my interests start to grow and I started to take, like we said, that stock of what actually makes me happy. Yeah. Like, it's around that age, I started checking in with like, okay, I've been playing this game for a while, what makes me happy? I stumbled into the UCB theater, this kind of weird punk rock way before it was a thing Mm -hmm. theater Mm -hmm. and that was the most artistically strange it was almost just like neverland where it was just like all of these stories were coming and going and i never even knew this art form existed this is 15 years ago how'd you end up there in the very 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 first place it was next to the daily show its original theater mm-hmm. was next to the daily show mm-hmm. and i remember going to a taping of the daily show wow back wow. in the day again before it was cool wow and then seeing this other weird theater with all these kind of like weird comics you know just promoting these crazy shows yeah and i went just to see what it was yeah and then i decided to all of my long island friends i knew that it was not exactly what they were into not but their I, cup of tea per se no they don't drink tea <laughs> these <laughs> must dudes in a keg <laughs> yeah these dudes get the keg not the tea that's right they don't do tea um but I peer pressured them into seeing UCB. And what was interesting is that, like I expected, most of them were kind of more interested in, like, what bar are we going to immediately right. after the show? Right. But the two or three that it kind of, like, stuck to, that immediately opened up a second level of conversation, respect, friendship that we wouldn't
1: have known if I hadn't just
2: dragged these dudes to do this thing outside of their comfort and zone. And
1: that's the upside of peer pressure. That's what I'm saying. It's like that's the upside of peer pressure. It's like you discover that you have a passion or an interest in something that you would otherwise have no idea about.
2: Right. So that. And when you of- declare it or when you act on it, you actively start to bring people into your life who are A, interested in the same things, yes. and also B, confident and comfortable enough to want to support you yeah. in it and to want to support whatever's interesting
1: to them yeah. about it. And it's nice, like, when you find your tribe like that, for lack of a sort of, like, a less cheesy way to say it. It's like, you see all these weirdos that's at the UCB, and, like, oh, this, sort of the feeling of belonging, like, oh, this is my weirdo tribe. Right. It feels like once you do find that tribe— then like it ceases to be peer pressure. And it's like, it's not peer pressure in a negative connotation. It's just like, this is what we're all doing because these are our common interests. Like we all love it. And it
2: becomes suddenly more interesting to be represented by this group that represents your core ideals and core curiosities. And it's almost more fun
1: to let everyone kind of bring you along so you interesting know. it's yeah. almost like when you're a teenager like we like you said at the very top of this episode it's like when you're a, a teenager or like an adolescent it's all about um thirsting for acceptance from your peers that's why you succumb to peer pressure to feel right. like fit in you evolve out of that you sort of become a late teen into your 20s and it's oftentimes become about um being fiercely independent and really carving your own path right. But then once you find your tribe and once you sort of evolve past that fierce independence phase then it's almost like now we're in our 30s are we're settled into our tribe and now it's like now we're not thirsting for acceptance from our peer group but it's almost like i i like being defined by my peer group right. i like being defined by weirdo comedy weirdos like i am proud i'm a proud card-carrying member of the eccentric improv dorks i agree and it's like you start to take pride in your peer group like you did when you were 14 i'm a jock like i'm a drama kid like i'm a lacrosse click and you start to like really strongly identify with that group and i think that kind of comes back around in adulthood a little bit
2: and then i think the next phase is probably making the things making your tribe yeah making the things making your peer group just your little kids that will represent all of your core ideals and Start that game all over again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's interesting. You know, peer pressure is such a negative connotation. Yeah. And I feel like at least 50% of our conversation is wrapped around how it actually pulls you out of funks or just you know, any sort of just
1: commonplace situation. Yeah. It could just illuminate a part of your personality that may have been dormant or something that you don't, people don't know what they're capable of. Like, you just don't know all the way unless you really take risks and step far outside of your comfort zone. That's interesting. Not that this is like a Dr. Phil episode all of a sudden, but I just feel like that's, you don't know, nobody knows what they can, what they can do. So it's as if it's, peer pressure
2: almost i mean yes peer pressure can exceed what we're talking about where people almost give you you know vendettas or right. you know ultimatums yeah and it's like you're either in our friend group if you like do that thing exactly. like kill that bird exactly we're not talking about that no uh what we're talking about is i think just like a slightly more gray version of peer pressure and what i like in our interpretation of it is that if you put up a filter in front of peer pressure and you don't just say like it's a yes or no, but rather is it is it right for me mm-hmm. is this actually gonna make me mm-hmm. or if there's a curious should I at least see exactly. there, is the door open in my mind yeah
1: I say go for go it. Go for it. That's that's the thing. It's like run when through. You're so right. It's like once peer pressure is now filtered through on a like a self actualized person who has lived through their 20s and lived through their young adulthood and has a strong sense of identity, then peer pressure is really just like sweet suggestions. For right. Activities. <laughs> Listen. You're a 45 year old who's never done mushrooms, and you're at some
2: weird suburb party and some stranger offers you mushrooms
1: succumb to that
3: peer pressure
2: at
1: least at least keep the door a little open exactly and peer is critical in that example because if you're 45 and you're at a suburban house party and a 16 year old asks you to do mushrooms i would say no because that is not a peer okay i would say the peer element of it really sort of comes into play i think a little bit as an adult because i don't want to be uh taking my cultural advice uh from from teens anymore yes (laughs) i'm a grown-up
2: now i guess i was saying that more in the reality that it would be like a stumble upon another 45 year old couple who share your values and are completely safe and this random happenstance thing happens and now suddenly you have a decision to make sounds rad. if it's safe run right through sounds super rad yeah yeah (laughs) Um, Lusto, that is episode numero five. In the
1: books, in the books, cinco, cinco. We did it, man. We did it, man. Another okay. really lovely chat.
2: So we'll do the wood swap after the episode.
1: Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> wood swap. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, sure. Let's remind him one last time. This is the No Joke Podcast. Please, I know we kind of brushed by it a couple times, but if you leave some nice messages and leave five stars on iTunes, mm-hmm. it puts us on lists. Cloud not, uh, in addition to just being emotionally satisfying for us. Yes. Yep. So, No Joke Podcast. Mm-hmm. On HeadGum. Thank you so much for listening. It was a real treat. We'll see you next time. We will have a new topic and we'll talk again.
0: That was a HeadGum Podcast.